Brick Moon Fiction presents, And We Shall See Our Names Written in Blood, by Eric Del Carlo, narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. The cold, kicking thing started in his chest when he came in sight of the registry. It was not an imposing edifice. The architectural lines were unpretentious. They bespoke of an internal functionality. This was the outer housing of a hive. Hives held things that stung. Some stings could kill. Ergo, there were killers inside there. Well, no shit, thought Cal Solomon. That was why he'd come. His steps had faltered. He resumed walking, measuring his strides, even with the strange organic coldness kicking under his sternum. That cold was nothing like what he felt when he notched a fatality. He had four of those now, one more than the minimum necessary to have made a legitimate appointment at the registry. He hadn't wanted to go in scraping bottom. It was like that waiting an extra day before calling someone for a date. Better to be at least one fatal over the low limit. Don't show up as a wannabe, a half-asser. Today was the biggest occasion of Cal Solomon's life. He had realized this fully only when he'd woken this morning, despite that he'd been moving steadily toward this consequential day since he was a tween. Cal had been eleven years old when he'd understood, in a profound adult way, that he wanted to be a killer one day. Today was bigger even than the occasion of his first fatal, which was the one you never forget. So every killer's memoir he'd read said, It was also an oft-repeated factoid in the chat rooms. Online know-it-alls spouted killer rhetoric like they'd invented it, but few of those fanboys and girls had any first-hand experience. Cal did. When he'd fataled his first, it had not been a cold episode. Rather, the incident had been drawn in fire, written in hot, gushing blood. Granted, he'd made a hell of a mess, but heat had lit him from within, and he had savored the moment, knowing its exact like would never come again. You only lost your virginity once. Your first fatal was always going to be your first. He'd notched that initial one when he was a sixteen-year-old. That had been five years ago. He had fatled three more since, the last just one week ago. That was when he'd gone to the registry website and filled out the online form, proudly listing his qualifications for an interview. If you had at least three fatals, you were supposed to be given an appointment. But if you were lying or could not produce satisfactory documentation, well, you'd be in a building full of killers. The real professionals. Those who ran the bureaucracy and knew the full rich history, and who were determined to maintain the razor-keen standards which set killers above all other outsiders in society. Cal didn't let himself hesitate a second time as he neared the black glass doors of the entrance. He'd printed out the authorization badge which had been sent to him after his application was processed. He had debated furiously with himself if he should pin it to the front of his shirt or carry it so that he could hold it up at the proper moment. He'd gone with the latter approach, since wearing the rectangle of plastic seemed too convention geek to him. But now, just steps away from those dark reflecting doors, he didn't know if his badge needed to be on display now so to be scanned by an electronic eye, or if he could open the doors without it. He had about a second left to think it through. Deciding to leave the badge in his pocket, he strode forward with what he hoped was an air of confidence. They wouldn't be worried about unauthorized accesses here, he reasoned. Even homeless people would know better than to wander in asking to use the bathroom. In the end, he didn't have to do anything. The doors opened for him with a pneumatic sigh, and he entered the cool, marbled lobby. Other aspects of his appointment had been left maddeningly unspecified. For instance, 
The document he'd received said nothing about whether or not to appear in costume. That seemed a pretty damn big thing to leave up in the air. He had decided, ultimately, to show up in street clothes. The lobby had an enormous horseshoe-shaped reception desk, with three people in matching blue blazers behind it. There were others about as well, passing across the broad echoing floor, entering and exiting two banks of elevators. The lighting was bright, but not glaring. It looked, for all the world, like any anonymous office building lobby. This place could be a financial firm or an insurance conglomerate's headquarters. But it wasn't. This was the registry. One of the uniformed receptionists spotted him approaching and finished up his interaction with a woman in nondescript business apparel. His expression was one of cheerful boredom. Yes, sir. Now the badge, Cal Solomon thought, and produced the printed ID. The receptionist had hit the RFID chip in the lower left corner before Cal was even aware the man had a scan wand in his hand. His eyes flicked quickly to a screen inset on his side of the long, curving desk. His gaze returned to Cal's face, a searching look cutting briefly through the bored glaze. No doubt he was checking a photo. Very good, Mr. Solomon. Let's see, you're in... Is it 314 or 318? He frowned at his screen as if it were being deliberately unhelpful. Finally, he rose from his swivel chair, looked past Cal, and suddenly called, Hanbury! A young man bounded over to the desk. He was younger than Cal. Eighteen, maybe. He had the overbright expression of an intern. He wore a red shirt and khaki pants. Yeah? he asked, leaning past Cal. The receptionist said, This is Mr. Cal Solomon. He's scheduled for an interview on three. Take him up and find out which room he's supposed to report to. Stay with him until he's inside the door, he added, muttering. Don't want another one left wandering the halls. Hanbury grinned. Nobody else here was grinning. Maybe they hadn't trained him out of the habit yet. Let's grab an elevator, he said to Cal with an overabundance of enthusiasm. Cal followed, not sure if the youngster's presence was making him more or less anxious. Certainly he'd already been somewhat disillusioned by his first visit to the registry. It was far less sinister than he'd always imagined. Then again, a business was a business, and registering and regulating killers was a full-time business. An elevator opened. Cal stepped inside with the kid, who tapped the three. Are you nervous? Hanbury asked. He had a jiggly, adolescent energy about him. Cal didn't especially want to answer. It even seemed like an inappropriate question, considering that he had come to this place to present himself in the most professional and confident terms he could muster. I'm fine, he said. The doors opened on a white corridor, showing more than a few scuff marks on the floor. There was less back-and-forth foot traffic, but another reception desk presented itself. The intern led Cal to it. Hey, Yvonne, this is Mr. Hal Solomon. Cal. Cal Solomon. Didn't I say... Oh, sorry. Cal Solomon, Yvonne. He's all excited for his interview. Now, if we just knew which room it was in... Hanbury, evidently, was all about the friendly banter. The woman at the desk named Yvonne didn't share his zeal, at least not as far as the stony expression on her face indicated. But she efficiently consulted her terminal and addressed Cal directly. You'll be in room 321, but there will be a slight delay. The previous subject is still in there. Bummer, Hanbury sang out. Well, come on. They've got a little nook outside the door. We'll wait it out together. Adopting his most measured tone, Cal said, That's really not necessary. I was told to watch over you until you were in your seat facing your interviewer. He shrugged. When anybody tells me to do anything, 
I have to do it, just like they said. There seemed an extra weight to those last words, and Cal thought again about just where he was. He nodded to the younger man. 321 was left of reception, past several closed office doors. Outside 321 was a small recessed area. There were four plastic seats. Hanbury sat, and Cal picked the chair farthest from him, which unfortunately didn't put him out of conversation range. But the intern didn't launch into the burst of babble that Cal was dreading. He still gave off an air of excess energy, but now he confined himself to tapping one sneakered toe on the floor, and he didn't even do it too loudly. The door to 321 was paneled in brown grain, and it was firmly shut. Cal could hear nothing from within. His future was in that room. It lay with whoever would give him his interview. Half a lifetime he had been building toward this. He'd soaked his hands in blood to get this far. Four fatals. Four? If his official registration didn't begin today, he would not go on to be a killer. He'd just be some murderer, without style, without the legitimizing aura bestowed by enrollment with the killer consortium. After a few minutes, he grew aware that Hanbury was staring at him. When he looked, the intern shrugged apologetically. Sorry, I only just noticed you don't have a bundle with you. Bundle? Of newspaper clippings, printouts, diary pages, a whole thick sheaf of paperwork. You mean documentation? Yeah. Cal dipped into his shirt pocket and presented the multi-system compatible flash drive he'd brought with him. It's all on this. It was something else the interview acknowledgement had been aggravatingly vague about. How to present one's verifying chronicle of fatalities. He had decided on the flash drive after long contemplation. That's smart, Hanbury said. Despite himself, Cal felt a glow of pride. After another minute slid by, the kid sighed. Sorry this is taking so long, he muttered. It's okay. But the weight was gnawing at Cal. The closed doors seemed to mock him and all the efforts he'd made over the years to get this far in what he hoped would be his life's vocation. To distract himself, he asked, How long have you worked here? Hanbury let out a brief laugh that seemed to have a little edge on it, long enough for some of the glamour to have worn off. A stricken look suddenly came to his face. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Cal lifted a hand. Relax. Then, because Hanbury still looked distressed, are you an intern? Hanbury wryly indicated his red shirt and khaki pants. I even look like one, don't I? I had no idea the registry offered internships. Hanbury nodded. They're not easy to get. I just wanted to be near all this. His voice lowered, became confessional. You're interested in killers, then? Of course. A dreamy cast came to his eyes. I've admired them all my life. I don't care about sports, and actors and pop stars are pretty stupid, but killers, man, what they do, standing apart, making murder an art form almost. Cal found himself nodding. He was actually beginning to feel a little empathy toward this younger man. I understand how you feel. Yeah? Hanbury chuckled. Well, you would, right? I mean, you're here for an interview. That means... He left the rest of the statement hanging. Cal gave in to the temptation to brag a little. Yes, I have accomplished the necessary number of fatalities. He allowed a little smirk to play across his lips. 
one above what is necessary, in fact. The kid's eyes widened. Wow, that's incredible. He hesitated, then said, Can I, uh, ask you about them? His fatals. They were private matters, of course, at least at this stage of his nascent killer career. He had painstakingly documented each incident. The first person he'd fatled, the messy one, had been the hardest to chronicle. He had worn recording goggles, but the blood had splashed the lenses repeatedly. He'd had to stop his slicing work several times to wipe them clean. On subsequent fatals, he'd made sure remote recording devices were in place for those carefully planned scenes of killing. Are you afraid to talk about it? Hanbury asked quietly. With a little steel in his voice, Cal said, Not afraid. I'm cautious. My fatalities are crimes. They're murders. I know that. If I'm not invited into the consortium, they will remain that way. He contemplated the skittish intern a silent moment. If he were to say boo loudly enough, the kid would probably run away screaming. Yet he was obviously fascinated with killers, and the interest he'd expressed in Cal's fatals was, frankly, flattering. It had been a life of lonely secrecy. Years of musing followed by months of intensive concrete planning had gone into his first fatal. Afterward, he could share the exhilaration he'd experienced with no one else. He even avoided boasts in chat groups, in part because everyone was so full of shit in those forums. Now he had his first chance to speak of his deeds. Hanbury waited anxiously. Cal decided on relating him an amended version of his fatalities. He omitted location and identity specifics and concentrated on the visceral details. The fear in the victim's eyes, the waxy smoothness of the vintage straight razor's handle, the bite of the hyper-sharp blade. The boy's eyes were wide again. He visibly absorbed every word that Cal spoke. It was strange having someone pay so much attention to him. He'd lived the life of a loner through his 21 years, but that was how it went when you chose the way of the killer or when it chose you. The intern, solemnly now, asked him a few tentative questions. He was curious about Cal's accoutrements, his techniques, and inevitably he wanted to know about the costume. Cal described it. It was fairly simple. A smock, straight trousers, black shoes, but of course the bloodstains were what pulled the ensemble together, giving it sinister meaning. A victim would know who was fatally him or her, the last glimpse of Cal Solomon in his killer's raiment would strike a deep, lovely chord of terror. He had his name, too, of course. Close Shave, the bloodthirsty barber. Only he wouldn't be bursting into song like Sweeney Todd. Neither would his future fatals, not with their throats laid open by his gleaming razor. At some point, Hanbury had moved to the adjacent seat. The waiting nook remained otherwise empty. The door into 321 still hadn't opened. You've really got it all thought out, the youngster said, peering at Cal like he was something special. Cal appreciated the compliment, but you're not the one I've got to convince, he said ruefully. Oh, I know. I don't count for anything here. Again, there was a faint flicker of bitterness. But I see applicants come and go. Most aren't as prepared as you. Or they prepare in the wrong ways, wasting everybody's time. You, though... It's like you get it. Cal couldn't quite locate the center of that compliment. Get what, exactly? He finally asked. Hanbury made exasperated gestures, like he couldn't quite get his adolescent ideas into adult language. 
You know, he said in evident frustration. I mean, why does anybody want to be a killer? Because it's cool. It's awesome. You get to wear a costume. You get to off people. And when you're with the killer consortium, you're almost immune from the police. If they want to arrest you, they have to prove that you fatal someone you shouldn't have. Somebody who was of explicit value to society. Otherwise, you can shoot, strangle, electrocute, stab, and run over with a steamroller anybody you... No. The syllable leapt from Cal's mouth. Something that was almost like the cold, kicking thing in his chest awoke in him. But this wasn't fear. It was outrage. The kid flinched into silence. That is not why I want to be a killer, Cal said in a low tone. Slowly, he rose from his chair, looking down on the younger man with a steely gaze. That isn't why anyone wishes to become a killer. Or those shouldn't be any of the reasons. The consortium serves society. It is a necessary institution. When all those costumed murderers started showing up in the 1970s and 80s, the authorities couldn't keep up with them. It was a circus. Every idiot with a lacrosse mask and a weapon thought he could be the next straw man, or the next abattoir, or headstone, or any of the original greats. Cal shook his head ominously. Henbury had shrunk into his seat. But the consortium stepped in, filling a need. It was founded by those who understood the need to put on a costume, to take a name, to go out and take lives. This registry enrolls the worthy and bans the unsuitable. Anyone who takes life in the flamboyant manner of a killer had better be a killer or an aspiring one. The police don't enter into it. Killers know how to find a rogue murderer. A killer is always one step ahead. Cal drew a long breath. The only true reason to be a killer is to uphold that tradition. To maintain the artful balance. We give meaning to people's existences by taking the lives of their neighbor or the stranger on the street. We remind them to savor the time given to them. Killers bring beauty to the world. Killers bring life. It was, far and away, the longest and most in-depth speech he had ever given on the matter. It was also a diatribe that had run into his head for years as he'd put together his feelings about killing. Hanbury was no longer cringing in his seat. The intern straightened, then stood up. A smile spread over his lips, and he met Cal's eyes squarely. Somehow, in the last few seconds, his whole manner had changed. Gone was the teenage hyperactivity. In its place was adult calm and assurance. That was very good, Mr. Solomon. May I have that flash drive? Come along. Let's go in my office. There are a few formalities left to see to. Hanbury strode to the door of 321 and entered the empty office. After a faltering moment, Cal followed, still absorbing what had just happened. But it was fairly well summed up by what he himself had just said a moment ago. A killer is always one step ahead. Eric Del Carlo has been selling his fiction for over two decades. His short stories have appeared in Asimov's, Strange Horizons, and many, many other venues. His novels, both solo and collaborative, have been published by Ace Books, Dark Star Books, Loose Id, and other houses. His latest book, The Golden Gate is Empty, written with his father, Vic Del Carlo, is currently available from White Cat Publishing. Eric is a native Californian and a Hurricane Katrina refugee. 
Find him on Facebook for comments and questions. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.